Praise God. Okay. So we've got about well, less than an hour now. We've got 50 minutes, and we're going to be ending around about 12. And we're going to do this session. I'm going to share for about 10 or 15 minutes. Then Ben's going to come up and share with us. Then he's got a, an activity for us to do. Then I'll come and close that session then. But um, <clears throat> I just want to continue where we left off on the last session uh, and, and do something or give you some practical tools as to how you can deal with those issues that God may have put on your heart and revealed to you through the ministry this morning. Uh, and we, we looked, didn't we, at the prize, the unforgivenesses, the rejections, abandonments, all these things. And there's a great list I've got here, toxic shame. Some of us are, are, are bound by toxic shame from things that happened in the past. Anger problems, fears, all these things are negative experiences and they come from the past. I mean, Craig gave us a great illustration there of the reason he finds it difficult to sing is because of something happened to him when he, I think he was four years of age in that school. And that has stuck with him and affected his life up until this point in time. And we, as all of us, I don't think there's any one of us hasn't got something that has affected the way we are now because of what happened to us in the past. And, you know, I've ministered to a number of different people who say, you know, I know what is right. I know what the Bible says about it. I know I shouldn't be fearful. I know I shouldn't be angry. I know I'm not rejected, but I still feel it. I can read the Bible about it, I can quote scripture, other people have ministered to me, but it's still the same. And it's not so much about our will being involved, even though the will is very helpful and useful, but it can only go so far. I think I shared that earlier, didn't I? And the Lord shared with me probably about two, three weeks ago now, I was struggling over a bit of a rejection thing in me. And some of you met my friend Ken, I think the guys on Caleb have met Ken, Ken's a 75-year-old powerhouse for Jesus. In fact, Ken and I just finished what we call the Penavan Horseshoe, which is a walk up in the Brecon Beacons, and it took us five hours to go up, and, and he's 75 years of age, and he's done this great big climbing up the top of Penavan. He's a real powerhouse for Jesus, is Ken. But he's one of my closest confidants, you might say. And I went through this time of being a feeling of rejection, and I said to him, Ken, the trouble is, bro, I use my will. I know what is right. I, I won't allow myself to feel that way. I certainly would never say those things to those people, but I can't help feeling the same way. He said, look, it's not about your will. Your will can only take you so far. You need to have Jesus formed in you. And he was a bit of a light, light moment, you know, light bulb moment. And the Lord gave me this little picture about three weeks ago. And I saw like a, an image of myself like a hollow image of myself. You know, you know those, uh, those chocolate father Christmases you get, the kids get, they're all hollow inside and this is like a shell. And that's how the Lord showed me this picture of me being like this hollow shell. And Jesus was just a little tiny statue inside this big Martin Allen shell. In other words, he wasn't filling my life, just a portion of my life. And as I looked at this in my in this spirit, this prophetic picture, I could see the Jesus image getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And as the image of Christ was formed more and more inside me, it pushed out automatically these negative things. And I didn't have to use my will to do what I knew was right. I automatically started to do what was right. And those rejections, it disappeared. And I know it's only three weeks, but I haven't felt those things and I felt very differently ever since because he's now more and more formed on the inside of me 
And I believe that the Lord wants to form more and more on the inside of you as well and bring you to a place where you are really, truly set free. You see, the root cause of our problems can only be dealt with by an experiential revelation of truth, capital T, and we all know who he is, don't we? It's a revelation of Jesus who is the truth, amen, and then you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And you know the word know, it's not the cerebral Greek meaning of the word know, which is, you know, I read something in a book and now I know it. It's an experiential know. It's the Hebrew um, interpretation or, or connotation, a better word, is the Hebrew connotation of the word truth. Because, you know, uh, or, or the word know. Because when um, the scripture says in, in the book of Genesis, Adam knew his wife Eve, that was an intimate thing, wasn't it? And so when we know the truth in the way that Jesus wants to be truth to us, it becomes an experiential, intimate connection with truth. The problem is we all know the truth in a cerebral way, in a Greek way. But God wants us to know the truth in an experiential way. So that Jesus is formed on the inside of me and a revelation transforms my mindset. That's the renewing of the mind again. It's Jesus forming within me so that I become Jesus. That's what it means to be a new creation. You know, we love that passage in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, don't we? You know, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. Jesus wants to become so formed in you and me that we become a new creation. I'm no longer the same anymore. I haven't just become religious, I'm just different now. And that's the experience he wants to give you, even though you've struggled with these issues all your life. He wants to be formed in you so that you become like a little Jesus. And I sometimes say to people, I say, if you want to come and see Jesus, come to his church, because that's where his body is. <laughs> Unfortunately, people sometimes don't see Jesus in his body. But if we are to be his body and we're all having him formed in us, then when people come amongst us, they'll see Jesus because he's being formed in us. Can you see that? And as he's more and more formed in you, so those negatives are pushed out by these truth encounters or revelations. And the word repent links to this because to repent isn't to say necessarily just sorry. That may be part of the process. But we can all say sorry for all sorts of reasons, can't we? You know, but, but, but true repentance is having a change of mind. That's what it means. It has your mind renewed. It means a 180 degree turn. So I am like this now. This is what you see. I've repented. I'm this now. You see a totally different me. That's what repentance means. And repentance can only really occur when we have a revelation of Jesus and his truth is formed in us. So just to say, you know, oh, I'll say sorry to Jesus, I'm saved now, hallelujah, that's kind of a little bit shallow and maybe a little bit doubtful. You see, to get really transformed and saved, there's got to be a transformation on the inside, a revelation of truth. How did you get born again in the first place? Was it because you became more religious? No. Was it because you suddenly started going to church? You know the answers, don't you? It's no. You got saved because you had a transformation. You had a revelation of truth. 
that you were undone and you needed the grace of Jesus and you cried out to him and something happened inside you. Jesus was formed in you and you became radically transformed overnight. I remember it. I've told you the story. A long-haired, I know it's difficult to believe, long-haired guy, rock singer, drug smoker, and so on and so forth, and something transformed within minutes of getting born again. I couldn't do that. Jesus was formed in me. And to get free from all these issues that we've covered today, Jesus must be formed in you. So I want us to avail ourselves of what I call the JCB of the cross <laughs> through repentance and prophetic ministry. You see, revelation and application of the truth is the only antidote to these prides, these limiting beliefs, these unforgivenesses, these fears, these anger issues, and what we've covered today. The cross releases both repentance and prophetic insight. And I have a little, I think it's an alliteration, is that what they call it? No, it's not alliteration. It's homophones, I think. Things, words that all sound the same, yeah? Trace, face, and replace. I, I talked to you before about this, but let's revisit it because it's the great keys to getting Jesus formed in us. Trace, face, and replace. So if you can remember that, it's a really great tool to get you set free. I've used it frequently in my own walk with the Lord. So if I'm conscious of a negative issue inside of me, I can trace it back to where it began. And that is key because I can find where that core belief, that negative lie, started to form inside of me that caused me to have limiting beliefs about myself. Once I trace back to that core lie where it began to start with, I can then ask the Lord Jesus to help me face that issue and start to feel its pain. Because we are human beings. We mainly change out of an emotional experience. When you fall in love, it's not just a cerebral thing, is it? Have you ever watched Star Trek and Spock tries to fall in love? Not Spock, what's his name? Uh, Data. Data tries to fall in love. It just doesn't work because he's so cerebral, you know what I mean? It's an emotional experience, isn't it? And so we, get in, we, we change through emotional experiences. The fact that you... You know, using Craig's illustration, the fact that he felt he couldn't sing anymore because he had an emotional negative experience of a teacher saying, you can't sing, be quiet. That became a gut thing within him, an emotional gut reaction. And, and the facing, the tracing we just covered, the facing is, is coming to terms with the gut reaction. It's coming to terms with the emotional negative, the downer, the experience of, of being sort of winded on the inside by that word or that statement or that exposure that somebody gave you. And then we wait on God. We all shut up. We don't give our own opinions. We don't get into psychoanalysis. We just say, Jesus, what are you saying? What is your truth? What are you going to do to replace this lie with truth? And as we wait on the Lord, he speaks a revelation into your heart that becomes your own, that becomes your personal experience of truth. You encounter truth, and you know the truth, not in some cerebral way, but in some experiential way. Guess what happens? The truth sets you free. Trace, face, replace. Remember that, okay? 
And whenever Sue and I minister to people, and we usually like an hour with them, we go through those three phases. And, you know, by the grace of God and for the glory of God, many people come through on the other side having had a transformation because Jesus is then more and more formed in them and he pushes out the negative stuff. Problem we've got, though, is our pride. If our pride says, oh, you know, I can't do this, I'm a leader. I can't do this, I'm this or that or the other. What will they think? Then we blow it. We prove that we are not worthy of the grace of God even. That sounds terrible, doesn't it? Shall I say that? But I've said it. We prove that we kind of know because pride is always opposed by God. As I said earlier, he, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the devil. So if we say, no, that's the way, that place to use your will. No, I'm not going to let this pride thing stop me, rob me of getting my replacement, my Jesus formed inside of me. I'm going to make myself go to where I can get help. And I often say, from the Billy Grahams down, virtually every Christian needs this ministry. I really believe it. I know Sozo believe that. Freedom in Christ believe that. All these methods that are around, which are fantastic, they believe that. Because it's true. I've had it done to me many times. And God is more formed in me now than ever before for the glory of God. So I really urge us, at some point during the rest of our time, to come to a place where we're willing to be humble. You know, and, and I'm up with you next weekend uh, from Friday through Monday. And I'm willing to spend some time with you if you want the personal one-to-ones. You know, if loads of people want it, then you may have to push over to September. But, and I'm sure there's lots of other people here anyway. Goodness gracious, you don't need me. You need, there's a multitude of people who can help you. But if you really want me to help, then I, then I want to. In other words, what I'm trying to get across here is, guys, let there be no excuse, okay? In fact, Paul came up to me, Paul Bencher came up to me earlier, and he really feels in his spirit that this is a key moment for so many of us, and not to let this moment pass by. In fact, Paul said that throughout the afternoon, he wants to be here and man this place for anyone who wants ministry, okay? So don't allow this moment to pass you by. Amen. Well, I'm going to hand over to Ben now, to him. And uh, he's going to then lead us into an activity, and then I'll come back towards the end. Over to you, Ben. <clears throat> Thanks, Martin. In some ways, this could. In some ways, this could feel like a step change or a change of gear, and it isn't. It it, it kind of flows all the way through because for a while we've been sensing as a church that, that, that God is to bring us into something new. Could you pop my slides on? Oh, actually, yep, no, that's, all, that's done there. And, um, and as we started to talk and share more with Martin, we started to realise that we've got to make sure that we're ready to move on. And it's so easy for us to grab baggage and stuff that we just don't really need. And it simply slows us down. I went away on a conference for th three days and you know what, I packed too much. And I kinda knew I'd kinda packed too much. And because I normally go in a car, I had like a hold all. 
Yeah, but we didn't. I went on the train and I really needed a suitcase with wheels because carrying this massive overpacked holdor without wheels three miles through London was a nightmare. And not only is that for us individually in our walk, actually we can so easily just pick up stuff from when we were four, from when we were 16, that's a hard age, from when we were 23 or 30. <laughs> we just pick up stuff that can, that, that can weigh us down. We can pick up stuff as a church. So it's really, really important that we work some of this stuff out and that we lay things down because God wants to bring us on. And then I've not got time to share, I'm, I'm going to keep it still, but Stephen Wood um, and Jean came and spent some time with probably Dave and Marilyn last year. And Dave just encouraged Stephen and Jean just to pray for the church. And Stephen and Jean did. <laughs> it's great when you ask people to do stuff. And he wrote down a prophetic word that God had given him, which I'm going to share a little bit. And we've given reference to it over the last six months or so. Um, but really now's the time to start to internalise it. But it was interesting that Stephen went right the way back to when SCF was two or three years old and he talked about a prophecy that SCF had had then about crossing the Jordan. And I'd remembered something when I first came where we did a lot of stuff about crossing the Jordan. And that it was about leaving the old things behind and moving into something new, the promised land, the new kingdom, all the milk and honey stuff. And then he gave this line because he writes stuff down. We really do need it right now. He said, and we talked about it for a number of months. You know, we kind of bashed it around a bit. And then, and then life went on. And we just stopped talking about it. And, he said, you know, he said, we did a lot of great things, but we never really, I never really felt that we moved in. And then he says, if I might be so bold, I, I just want to give this as a word from the Lord to you, which I'll tell you in a bit. Because I found it interesting that Stephen went right the way back to the beginning. Because God takes us on a journey. God, God takes us on a journey. Yesterday, Martin started to talk about the things to be thankful for. We could go back further. The first time you got the huts, revelation books, the, the tent ministry that you had, all these things that you did are all being part of SCF's journey. And then Stephen showed, showed this. And, and even though the language is important, the, the grub to the butterfly, it really got me talking because the grub doesn't die. And the butterfly is born, the grub is in the butterfly. But there's been a metamorphosis, a change, but it, it's still the grub. It's, it's not something that's stopped or done a right angle and gone in a different way. It's still the grub. It's the next phase. And I can see and think over 44 years now of SCF, mm. a bit more than that, and the rest. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, that's great. That, that God has been journeying us, and there's been those times of metamorphosis. But it's unfortunate it talks about the grub. Not that anything to past is the grub, but you get the analogy? It's like, it's, like it's, still, it's still the grub. It's the grub that's become a butterfly, and then there's been another one where the butterfly has perhaps gone back to a grub, and there's another rebirth. And that has been going on, and on and on, and it continues to go on. Talking about that part, part of that journey was 2015. It looks a bit small on there, but, but God gave us a vision. It, it was new, but it wasn't new. 
Yeah. Before we had belong, believe, become. Do you remember that? That was really nice and easy because it was three words beginning with B. And then we went for this. But certainly, if you like that time and season, maybe the 10 years or so before I came, it was about getting the building. It was about moving out, out of the hut and out of schools and, and placing yourself into a building. And then this, if you like, was about continuing the building in people. Members of SCF will grow stronger and deeper as disciples of Christ is first for a reason because everything flows from Christ into his people and out. And we've seen fruit in every one of those areas. In every one of those areas. Yeah? People are coming to us asking for us for help. The other day I wanted to speak to Andrea and I was really annoyed because I wouldn't because she was speaking to a lady from the council who just dropped in because they wanted to talk to us about something that they'd seen that I think we could help them out with. We could, yeah. People will come to us for help and support. We had the prophecies from Catch the Fire where people will come and stay for a while and get freed up of stuff and then move on and we've seen that. We get people from different nations come and we've seen that. Boy, have we grown strong and deep disciples. The fellowship we can have in home groups, the recent launch of triplets, the discipleship programs and lifestyle that we want to do. It's fruit that we've seen. It's an ongoing journey. And then probably after then, but before, probably we started to build a relationship with, Ma- with Martin. Do you remember Arnold came? And he talked again about a word and he spoke so many things and I just got it this morning so I don't have them written down. But I remember going, yes, and yes, and yes, and all oh, that's interesting. But he talked about our potential, which was encouraging and frustrating. Because I don't want to stay in potential. But again, there's, the, there's this sense that God is about to move us into something. Martin comes in and senses the same thing, that God is about to move us into something. And then Stephen writes to us, And he says this, I sense prophetically that as a fellowship you are facing not just a new season, but a new era. And that that just landed on us. And then we started to ask, in fact, even when I'd shown that to Claire, and we've mentioned era a few times, but because we have a pattern and a process of Sundays, and Sundays is about worship, not so much about strategy and stuff, and we've not really allowed it to land, but we've talked about it. Maybe we have to have more church meetings that are not about Sundays, because Sundays is precious, where we can talk and unpack some of this stuff. Please come when and if we do. Because maybe we've been guilty, because this was October of last year. So how many months is that? Don't count. Yeah. And when I showed the case, she said, so what's different from a season to an era? And it was sad, it says, actually, seasons go around. Spring, winter, spring, they go around. But an era kind of stays around for a bit longer, and then you move on from. And so we started to pray, Lord, so what is this new era? Is it, is it something new? Is this a stopping and a laying down of all the stuff that we've been thinking and praying about? Because I just want to say, we see God for this church. We seek God for this church. We meet together and we pray. Every Friday for four months, we've been meeting together at seven o'clock as a leadership team. And we, and we did Friday. I'll tell you why. Because me getting there at seven o'clock, back up, we said it had to be a sacrifice. And if the leadership team didn't get it first, how were you going to get it when we call you as a church to pray? Not necessarily at 7 a.m. But midweek's a sacrifice, Yeah. 
just is. So I got in quick because we said early, well, early for me isn't a problem. If you go on the, on the SCF Weekend Away Facebook page, you'll see where I was at half five this morning. Early for me is not a problem, so seven o'clock was no issue. That's like the middle of the morning. So I went for Friday because it's my day off. It needed to be a sacrifice. So every Friday, we've met as a leadership team to pray and to seek God. And he started to reveal things to us that when, that when we pulled it together, we simply went, yes. Yes. And I'm going to go around eight things of this circle, but there are four top 12, 3, 6, and 9. You won't see those words, but yeah, top, bottom. But actually the things that we want to focus in and press into. And then what God did was he just beautifully mixed it with the vision that he'd already given us. Because it's an ongoing journey. Yeah, not that the things before were grub. Don't focus on he called us a grub. He called everything we did before he arrived a grub. And everything since he's come a butterfly. Oh, that could be something we need to work through if we think that. Yeah, yeah. But you see the picture, it's not a right turn. It's a continuing, but a pressing in. And the reason why Martin has been taking us through this is because actually we've got to be free of stuff. Because, man, it's going to be like me traveling on a tube while Tim had got his nice little suitcase with the wheels on. Yeah. <laughs> you know. And we've got to be free of stuff if we're going to move into it. So this is where it starts. A wholehearted adherence to the Bible as God's word. We talked about it last week. And you know, I love the Gospel of John. It's just so much about love and loving one another and being loving and God that loves me and wants to enter into me. And there are other bits that I just don't like. So I just don't read those. And actually, I become a lopsided Christian. I become a lopsided Christian. I just spent three days studying uh, hermeneutically, theologically, all things in the book of Revelation. I was exhausted. I was exhausted. And there's some really difficult passages. But man, it balanced me up. And we want to be a church that drives into the word of God. There is the living word. You know what? Four times it refers to the word as being Jesus. Hundreds of times it means the written word. The one doesn't supersede the other, but we keep it in balance. Jesus is the word, but he also wrote the word down. He says again, it is written, it is written, it is written. We want to be a church that drives in to the word of God. Tim and I on the way back sat, ne sat next to a Muslim lady who started to talk to us. And, and she's in a caste that, that, that is more focused on the troubles of the world and how they can meet the needs and they'll say a few prayers from the Quran but it isn't really central and focused I thought gosh I know some churches that are like that as well that isn't for what SCF is going to be and because part of that it's not the only way by pressing into the word but part and a really great way of pressing in the word is you develop strong and deep disciples of Jesus the vision that God gave us in 20 15. And because we're strong and because we're deep and because we're focused on Jesus, this is one of those ones, we all get involved in a personal engagement in evangelism. Man, God has just set me free. You know what? I, 
I just struggled with singing. I just, I just, I just don't know how to speak to people. And at church, I just walk around and just pretend to be busy. And do you know what? Then God freed me of that. Why do you think he's done that so you can sit and enjoy it? Man, no way. So we can help and lead and guide other people in those freedoms as well. I'm getting as excited as Martin. As we start to engage and speak. And, to, and you know what, I just want to say, there is a saying, and they don't really know who said it. Preach the gospel, and where necessary, use words. That was to counter people that just talked and talked and talked and talked. But you know what? At some point, you've got to use the name of Jesus. At some point. At some point, our actions that we like the cup of cold water in his name, but at some point we've got to say this is because of Jesus and what he's done in my life. We need words. We need words. And when we're doing that, actually, people will know SCF. People will know us. So who are you? Man, I met Jesus. Well, how can I meet him more? I've got a load of nutty people that know Jesus too. Come, let me bring you. Part of our vision again, people will know us. We are the church. And come to us for help. Help me. I want to know him too. Help me. I want to be as free as you guys are. Help me. I know there's something deeply wrong. And I just need to move into something new. And you see, part of that then is a radical action towards those less fortunate. Towards the poor. You see, this then opens up people that are a poor spirit poor in spirit, poor in heart, physically poor, less fortunate. Poor is that weighted word, which is why we talked about less fortunate. And you know what? It has to be radical action because everybody's into social action. Again, doing some study, we, I, I would hear how the early church, whenever there was an epidemic, disease, yeah, whenever there was an epidemic, all the pagans would run away from the local towns, but the Christians would stay. And actually because... Really, if you just look after people, give them water, keep them warm, quite often they get well. Yeah, they would be healed up. They, they would want to know, why would you stay? Why would you risk your life and stay here and look after me? Well, I want to tell you about a man who met me. And you see, actually, the church has done a lot of not great things, but it's done some credible things, awesome things in the name of Jesus. It raised, actually, the worth of humans, image bearers, no matter what color, no matter what race, you're image bearers of Jesus. And it raised it up now, and so the whole Western globe sees that you are valuable because you are you, you are a human. The church did that, or Jesus through the church did that. So actually, that's not a unique selling point of the church anymore, is it? That's just expected. So there's got to be radical action towards those less fortunate. We talked about a couple of years ago the centre of care. Do you know now we are feeding 60 people and it doesn't matter what background they're from. Whomever gives a cup of water or a plate of food, James, in my name. In my name. And there's some people that desperately need it. You can see. There's some people that simply need fellowship and connection and the conversations that are coming out of that. Um, Ray might not even realise, but the bereavement support group, that's part of the, the centre of care. I sit in my doctor's and I watch their own PowerPoint slides, slides around, and all of a sudden, bereavement support group at the bridge. Come. 
And do you know why, why Ray does it at the bridge and not, and not in secular organisations? Because in the right way, humbly, he can actually be true and authentic to who he is as a follower of Jesus. No, he doesn't Bible bash, you know, but he's allowed to be r- real. Stay and play. I mean, that's actually part of the centre of care. Come, don't just keep handing your kids over to somebody else. Come, we want to create an environment where you can stay and play with your children. That's part of the centre of care. It's, and there's more to growth. There's more to be done. I just sense there's not necessarily more meals to cook, although, yes, there is. The radical isn't necessarily steak every week, but there's more to be done. We're now linking into homeless organisations and saying, can I come and just be around your community lunch because I know you get some homeless in. Or people who have arrangements. Or ladies that have arrangements with men who have homes and let them stay there. Well, we want to talk to them and show them that there's a way out. And, and, and what you're doing here is attracting those and can we come too and maybe just set up a clinic? I mean, it's in its infancy. Those are conversations which are starting to be had. Thinking, well, actually, how can I get involved in the centre of care? Do you know it's a command? It's a command to meet the needs of the poor. And it may be captured there in the centre of care, but it's a command. And you know what? The more that we do that, yeah, people see Christ in us transforming lives. People see Christ in us. We just have those conversations that we could never plan, where we just open up because it's authentic and it comes out of us. We've had an experience of God. We've understood it in his written word and he set us free. And we start sitting down and saying, I was like you, but look at me now. And these points here, these lesser bold ones, these are the things that are in our vision And these bolder ones are the new expression. And you see, as people see Christ in us transforming lives, a real focus area, and this this has got, they've all got me excited, but this excites me, is to create a church that unchurched want to attend. I want to be honest. I had this, not that phrase, but I had this burning in my heart for a a while, and we were talking as a leadership team, and we said, yes, yes, it is that. How, How do we... How do we walk alongside the unchurched? How do we create an environment where they want to be with us? And then Steve Corden, who's not here this weekend, but he started to talk to me about a book called Deep and Wide. And he said, Ben, it says create a church that the unchurched want to attend. And I went, that's it. Now, it's not to create a church that's attractive to the unchurched. No, no, no. We don't start with that. It's very different. It's a bit like our family church, church family thing. You get it the wrong way around and you create an error. We want to be who we want to be. We want to be who God wants us to be. And therefore we want that to create an attraction for the unchurched. It's not so how do we get the unchurched in? Yeah. And some of these things are going to be uncomfortable. I shared it with Lorna. I knew that she wouldn't be able to be here and and she was gutted, but she made the right choice. And she said, wow, Ben, she's American, if you don't know. So we know her American. I said, man, that's a paradigm shift of thinking. (laughs) And she's right. But it isn't new. It isn't a right angle to all that God has been saying because then the last bit is, you see, when actually you've got that church, that unchurched say, I want to come here. I want to be around you. Oh, it actually wins us a voice to share the gospel of Jesus. 
And actually, I found it in a very strange place of scripture in Job, believe it or not, when he's wondering what on earth is going on and he's remembering, he's remembering how things were. And he talks about how he used to walk down the street and men would stand and doff their hats and young men, their tongues would stick to the roof of the mouth. Do you know why? Because actually he radically delivered the poor and they wanted to be around him and it won him the right to wholeheartedly speak and preach the gospel. Amen. David just wants to share something before I, I get you up off your feet. Just very, very quickly. Um, if you look at that diagram, when Ben shared it with our leadership team, I said, wow, that is nothing new. That's exactly what Jesus did. That is exactly what Jesus did. If you read about Jesus, he knew the word of God. What did Jesus do? He developed deep and strong disciples. He certainly led lots of people to, Jesus, uh, to the Lord, didn't he? Yeah? He then, yeah, he, he just encouraged and got people excited. And when Ben shared this with our um, team, we, did, we got excited because that's exactly what Jesus did. He wanted a church that anybody could come to. We call them the unchurched at the moment. But that's what I just want to say. That's exactly what Jesus did. So I'm just confirming this word. Thank you. Because it's Christ-like. We will be a Christ-like church if we do that. But finally, I want to share a testimony. On the very day that we shared this, on I think a Tuesday morning, wasn't it, with the leadership team, I had an email and the email was from a person I've known a long time. She was the mother of a child. And she knows that I've been caring for that child. Yeah? And this mother said, thank you for your invite, Dave. So I was inviting this boy to come and meet with me and some other kids. And she said, this phrase, she said, What's he called? Luke. <laughs> Blonde Luke, I call him. You will know him, won't you? Uh, and Blonde Luke said, I love coming to meet G uh, David, not Jesus, sorry. Come and meet David at the bridge. He's an unchurched person. He's an unchurched, and he said, I love coming. It's a bit like, like we're saying for state and play, stay and play and all that. But then she went on to say, Thank you so much. And I'll tell you, that boy's life has been changed because of the way we've supported him. So thank you, James, for your wonderful support. He, at the age of, he's now 21, at the age of 18, couldn't leave, couldn't go on a bus and get from A to B. He was so unconfident. And now... Because his, his mum asked me to pray for him that he'll get a job when he left school at 18. He's got a job and he's doing a wonderful job in a, um, what do you call them? A service, not a service station, a place where you mend, mend cars. What's that called? Garage. A garage, thank you. <laughs> and he's done so well that he's bought himself his own car and could go all over wherever he wants to go now. His life has been transformed. But he knows it's because David prayed for him to get a good job. Hallelujah.
Sorry. Thank you, David. No, no, no. It's landing it in something real. So what we're going to do now, and every one of us, so there's no opting out. Yeah. These abbreviated versions. So there's adherence to God's word on the window. Personal evangelism. Uh, whatever it says at that one there. And churched for the unchurched. And... And we're going to go and take our chairs. I decided we were going to do that. And I looked around and thought, man, look at all these bags. Some ladies have bought two. <laughs> yeah. And we're going to pick our chair up because it'll just be more comfortable. And we're going to sit at the one that resonates with us the most. Yeah. Even if not many of these do, that's fine. Find one that is the most. And if you've got two, then look at one that has less people. Yeah. And, and then go to the one with less people. Now, this doesn't sign you up to anything. We're not secretly taking notes. This doesn't then mean that you'll be asked to 17 meetings on, on the word of God. Yeah, it's just, it's just imagery for now. So it's safe. But just take a minute and then just grab your chair and your belongings because there's some glasses, glasses on the floor and phones. You don't want to tread on those. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. As best as you can, but don't tread on people's stuff. Just go and be with your chairs or with a chair around the area. Um, let's do that now. <laughs> 